10, an idiot and an expert podcast after a brief hiatus, some recouping, relaxing, uh, but we're back here. My name's Cal Jojo. I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Claudio Perfetto. You can follow us on Twitter. Him, of course, at CPerfetto11, myself at CalJojo5, uh, and most importantly, the uh, podcast Twitter handle at IdiotExpertPod. Um, Claude, how are you? How's it going? Doing good. I'm surprised you remembered the um, Twitter handles. I it's been, it it's been a while. I had to write them down. Um, so, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm going to probably get like a notification from Twitter um, asking if I've passed or, or something like that because my activity has been uh, non-existent for the past few weeks. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we look to get things uh, back to a little bit more of a regularity here. Yeah, uh, moving forward and a lot uh, going on in the past few weeks. Yeah, so. absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll be back. A, a lot, uh, a lot has happened, and a lot is uh, is coming in the in the coming months with the World Cup and whatnot, and the soccer world as well as the the rest of the sporting world. But we'll start with Syria uh, as we usually do, um, and the season is over. And it's over as we have uh, had the struggle. If Napoli would find a way to finally have its year and finally overcome the juggernaut of Juventus. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, it didn't happen. Um, and much to, I think, no one's surprise as the weeks really came, came down in the last few weeks. Um, but, Claude, what did you see out of, uh, out of Napoli just not getting it done? Yeah, I mean... I don't know if it's so much that Napoli lost it or, you know, more like Juventus won it. Napoli still got 91 points, which is like tre- tremendous. I think it was uh, number six all time in Serie A history. That's how many points they had. And wow. for, them, for them to still lose with that amount of points uh, is pretty crazy. And I think it just came down to, to Juventus's depth. You know, Juventus had the ability in games that, uh, were close or a little a little tight. They have so much depth off the bench that they could bring in three new guys to really change the game. And that's why, if you saw a lot of Juventus's games, they they won a lot of them towards the end because they were able to do that and just change change the games. And ultimately, uh, Napoli wasn't able to do that. But still, you know, ninety one points is a ridiculous amount, and they would and usually you win the league with that amount, but this year, you know, it just wasn't enough to overcome Juventus. At what point were you willing to say that the season was over? I mean, I, I, I distinctly remember uh, a Dabala goal against, um, I want to say Lazio. It was Lazio. Yeah. But- um, and, and you had said that, that this was over, but I think that was a premeditated, uh, yeah. a premeditated, you know, decision that it was over because Napoli then mounted a comeback and they won a game against Juventus, correct? Um, yeah. And wh- after that point, where did it fall apart? So you're right. The Lazio game for Juventus, I thought at that point it might be over because uh, Juventus won that game very late and Lazio the next day, uh, sorry, Napoli the next day, lost and I think they were just like so disheartened by the fact that Juventus came back and won that game that it kind of affected their play but then kudos to them they came back and and they closed the gap on Juventus again beating Juventus in Turin which is a very difficult thing to do but then the week after that Juventus played um, 
Inter. And it was one of the craziest games I've ever seen in, in, in Serie A. Juventus was winning, but then Inter actually with 10 men, they had a red card. One guy was sent off. Inter came back and took a 2-1 lead against Juventus with 10 men, which is crazy. But Juventus somehow in the last few minutes of the game scored two goals and won 3-2. And then from there, the next day, Napoli against Fiorentina. It was kind of the same effect as that Lazio game for uh, Juventus. I guess Napoli was just so disheartened because at that point you could taste the Scudetto if you were Napoli because you mm. see, you know, Juventus is losing late in the game. You know, they, if, if they lost that game, Napoli would have had the chance to, to go ahead the next day and things kind of fell apart late for them. And then against Fiorentina, Napoli just didn't have a good performance at all. And after that round, um, it was basically, you know, it was over at that point. Now, now, I mean, you're obviously much more, you report on it. Um, you talk to many people within the circles. Um, you're much more in tune with the Italian soccer world and the, the feel around the clubs. At what point does it become just laughably disheartening? <laughs> Is, if, if not this year, you're saying, if not this year, with the six most point totals total ever. Yep. When are you going to do it? I, yeah. I can't. I believe it or not. I think the, I think the gap is closing, and um, I say that because you know Napoli has been a tremendous opponent. So you're of you're saying Juventus. you're saying they're not disheartened. You're saying this is actually a a, po- a positive thing. I'm not positive. No, but, it's. Uh, well, I mean for the league as a whole, um, you know, because I don't know if Napoli is going to be the first team to overcome Juventus, but, you know, I think the whole the whole league, the, the gap is closing with Juventus, which is a good thing. I mean, but for Napoli, um, you know, we'll speak about it a little bit later. They just hired a new coach because their coach, Sadi, Sadi left uh, or got fired, and they hired Carlo Ancelotti, who is one of the best coaches in, in the world. So I don't think there – I think that signing of Ancelotti – took away the disappointment from this season and is giving them belief that maybe they could do it next year. Um, but, you know, the other thing uh, I wanted to bring up is the Champions League spot. So Inter against Lazio, we watched this game actually a little bit together on uh, Sunday. And um, you saw that Lazio was winning 2-1. to one, And then at the end, Inter scored two goals in like the 79th and 81st minute to win 3-2. And they got the fourth spot, uh, which is, you know, a Champions League spot. And that's huge for me because obviously as a Milan fan, I don't want to see Inter in the Champions League, but as a fan of Italian soccer, it's better for Inter to be in the Champions League than Lazio because Lazio is a smaller club. Maybe they're going to take the money from the Champions League and they're not going to invest it. They're just going to use it as a profit and and to keep some money. While as Inter now getting back into the Champions League, you know, they're a team that could really return to the top. And both in Italy and in Europe. So that's why I think all signs point to, to you, you know, Juventus is still going to be strong, but Napoli will have renewed belief with their new coach. So this is interesting. Yeah. From what I'm gathering from you is that you're saying that Italian soccer is actually in a, a pretty, pretty good state right now. Yeah. I, I would think ve- so. I would venture from someone on the outside looking in, uh, it's got to be somewhat boring to see the same team win over and over and over again. Yeah. I, under, I, understand for, I understand the aspect that you're talking about in terms of 
the Champions League teams are going to be strong next year. Um, but I think at some point it's got it's you know it's got to be pretty boring to watch the same team win over and over again. It is, but I mean the season as a whole was exciting because they didn't win it so early. You know, in prior years they were you know they they were champions with like five or six games left, you know, and you always got the feeling that even though Roma or Napoli stuck around, they never really had the opportunity to, to win. And mm. this year was different because a lot of people thought, and up until, you know, the second to the last game, really, a lot of people thought Napoli had the chance to win. So that's why. So you would say this is the, this is the longest another team has put up a fight in, since, in a while. Well, Juventus, the first, obviously, this is their seventh in a row. You know, for those who don't know, that this is their seventh uh, Scudetto Italian Championship in a row. The first one was they were competing with Milan. And that was a very close race that year uh, because Milan had won the year before. They had a very strong team with Zlatan Ibrahimovic was the, was the best player on their team. And, you know, he's one of the best players in the world. So since that Milan team in Juventus's first Scudetto win out of the seven, this has been the closest race and the toughest race for Juventus by far. So I think that that's a good, a good sign for the league that going forward, you know, the, the gap is closing. Napoli, hopefully they can compete again. Roma is coming off a semifinal in the Champions League, which, you know, that's only positive for them. And, you know, Inter returning to the Champions League means more money, more, more money to invest. And, you know, they've already made some great transfer moves. So, you know, Inter is going to be a team that, that'll be back towards the top too. So I think Serie A, as opposed to the French League where PSG always wins and the German League where Bayern Munich always wins, I think that in Italy right now, things are pointing up that there's going to be some competition in the years ahead. Well, you would say that the Italian League is the most competitive of all leagues at this point, right? The Premier League, I would say, is the most Premier competitive. League. Well, it depends. I mean, the Premier League, there's legit probably five teams every year that, that have a shot to win. Um, you know, you would have to look at Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, um, Tottenham has an outside shot, and now Liverpool, you know, and Arsenal also is not really what they were, but, you know, they, they could probably still win. So it's five mm-hmm. or six teams. Spain is the most competitive because, you know, any year, you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid could win, mm-hmm. and Atletico Madrid has the outside shot of winning. But, but the parity is alive and well after Juventus. The, the, yeah. Uh, once, you, once you get past the clear favorite, there seems to be uh, – there's no clear-cut second – third fourth uh, for, on any given year no this uh, year there was they were you know after Juventus there were six teams really fighting for for the top four in, in Italy which was great you know and, and Milan was a sixth team and they got off to a terrible start so that's why they were a little far behind but you know they tried to close the gap and and if they had consistency throughout the year they would have been right there too so I think going into next season too you're going to have six teams uh, fighting for those top four spots, which is great. And hopefully there's two or three teams fighting for the title. You know, that would be the best thing. So gut opinion. And as we round up this, this Syria uh, season, looking forward to next year, if you had to place odds on one team to win, is it still, still Juventus? Yeah, it's still Juventus. I mean, they, until someone beats them, they have to be considered the favorites because they're going to, 
they're financially the strongest team. You know, they still have their, their coach, who's probably the best coach in Italy. Uh, they still have some very strong players, and they're going to they're gonna make some moves on the transfer market, as always, um, to reinforce and, and compete again. So it depends on what the other teams do to close the gap. But right now, they're definitely the favorites for next season. All right. Um, you know, that's a nice little segue. Uh, nothing is truer to our title and to the, to the next topic. Um, an idiot and expert obviously is our title. Uh, and this is truly when you can kind of flex your muscles a little bit of being an expert. Um, once we, we enter the transfer stage and this is when you do most of your reporting and, uh, most of your columns and, and whatnot. Um, so obviously for our listeners out there, follow you on Twitter at C Perfetto 11, uh, as you always have breaking news have you broken anything so far this year well i can't take the credit for it obviously demartio is um the guy in italy who is your adam schefter or you know um one of those type of guys that breaks the actual yeah. stories i just adrian wojanowski <laughs> yeah woes bombs um but i write for the english site so obviously i'm very up to date with whatever he reports and he's probably the most reliable source for transfers. So um, I get a lot of the news quickly and, you know, it's on my page a lot. And if you're interested in reading the English, the English versions of his, his transfer news, but some big ones, you know, um, like I said earlier, Ancelotti to Napoli. So Carlo Ancelotti was the coach of Milan for, I think from like 2001 to 2009, he won two champions league titles with them. And he um, made it to a third in 2005, but they lost. He also has coached Chelsea. He won the Premier League there. He coached Real Madrid. He won the Champions League with Real Madrid. He coached PSG and won the French League. He coached Bayern Munich most recently and won the German League. So he has a lot of experience at the biggest clubs. Um, and this is a great move for Napoli that he is willing to, to come there because most importantly, I don't necessarily think it's, they're going to win the Scudetto because of this, because it all depends on Juventus. But I think it's a good sign for Napoli that it shows that they're trying to still take things to the next level. They, there's no way that he agreed to go there without investment. You know, he probably spoke to the president, the owner of the team, and made sure that they're going to buy players or keep their stars and add to them. Uh, in order to in order to compete, you know, so that's why it's a great move for them. So, do you like? What do you What are you more excited for if you're a Napoli fan? The signal that they're going to be active during the transfer market, or the actual X's and O's strategy of Carlo Ancelotti, what he's bringing to the table? It's a combination because he knows they're going to buy players for sure. They have to, you know, and he has. Um, he usually plays this Christmas tree formation. It's called for the FIFA experts out there, like yourself. It's the <laughs> four, three, two, one formation. So it kind of looks like a Christmas tree. Um, and he'll buy players that will fit that formation very well. So they'll be successful. And one thing it, it means for sure is there was a lot um, that we spoke about. And a lot of people around, you know, Italian soccer spoke about this year that Napoli was putting the Champions League on the back burner because they were fully focused on winning the Italian championship. Ancelotti has had tremendous success in the Champions League, and there's no possible way that he would ever agree 
to coach Napoli and and throw the Champions League away. There's just no way that he would do that. So they're going to try and compete in the Champions League as well next year, which is very exciting. So for those that are foreign to the game, uh, like myself, is this a clear upgrade in coaching? Look, I can't say that because Napoli's old coach, uh, Sadi, um, he did a great job with them, and he had them playing some of the best soccer you'll see. Just, like, very entertaining, um, nice, fluid, smooth soccer. Uh, They had a great style to play, and they won with that style. I mean, to get 91 points is uh, is magnificent. Um, But So I don't know if it's necessarily – an upgrade i mean it, it it is in terms of his experience i mean this is a guy who who knows how to win he's won he's coached the biggest clubs he's coached the best players he knows how to handle personalities um you know so he they're getting a very experienced and if there is ever an upgrade over what they just had this would be it now you know that being said as much success as he's had in the champions league ancelotti hasn't had a tremendous amount of success in, um, you know, the regular leagues. You know, he, he's won the Premier League with Chelsea. He won one Scudetto with Milan. But, um, you know, he's only won four league titles in all the years he's been coaching. So uh, it's not like a guarantee that they're going to be able to win, win yeah, now. So, so when I first heard this, obviously the first thing, you know, it's kind of been an ongoing uh, discussion that we've been having is just the – the lack of patience that soccer clubs have in comparison to, to American sports. But then, you know, as I heard you talk a little bit more and more about this, um, you tell me if these comparisons make sense. Um, a manager in baseball like Buck Showalter, they would always say Buck Showalter would come in, get the, get the train back on the tracks, take you right up until the point, and then a new manager would come in, happen with Joe Torre, happened with uh, Bob Brenly afterwards with the Diamondbacks to take you over the top to win a championship. In the NBA, we saw it with Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. Do you think this is going to be that type of relationship? No, I don't because um, I'll tell you why. Because the coach that they had was not – those kind of coaches, and it does exist in in, in soccer too, those kind of coaches are more like defensive. They get the team organized. They get them to play with like grit and hunger. Stabilizing forces. Right. Napoli's didn't have that. Like, they were playing great soccer. They were already already a great team. I think where it helps is that they're going to invest in more players because Napoli, really, the reason why – and it's hard for me to keep saying this because, like I said, they they got 91 points, which is a crazy amount of of points. But the reason why they faded at the end was because they were playing their starting eleven over and over and over again and they didn't really have any alternatives to that so where i think this is going to help is i i think that they're going to keep probably most of their starters um and on top of that they'll add some guys that could come off the bench or that could rotate that way they could compete in more than one competition and you know they could have that factor that juventus has where you know what the game is close at the end um, you know, it's a tie game. Now we got to bring some magic off the bench to try to change things up a little bit. And I think that's why this is a positive sign, because like I said, there's no way that he would agree to go there um, unless he was promised some sort of investment like that. So let me ask you this. Why not just stay with sorry and add depth to your bench? I mean, the guy, the guy had a tremendous year. 
It's 91 points. He's obviously he's somewhat innovative in the offensive styles of soccer. What it what is Ancelotti bringing to the table that Sarri does not have? Well, they didn't necessarily fire him. You know, they they offered him a contract extension. Sarri, um, they they wanted him to stay. Uh, he, for, I think there was like a breakdown between him and the and the owner, president of the team. So I think he really just wanted to leave. I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with the team not wanting him to stay. And once they weren't really getting an answer from him to, to stay, um, they went ahead and they signed Ancelotti because they had the opportunity in front of them, you know, and they didn't want to wait around for, for Sadi and then lose Ancelotti too. So I think that's pretty much what happened. But, you know, the, the upgrade is just the overall experience and the um, – the victories, you know, Sadi, as good of a coach as he's been, he's never won anything. You know, mm. Ancelotti has won. He knows how to win. He knows how to manage a season in order to win, how to manage a Champions League in order to win. So, you know, while Sadi was kind of t- together with Napoli and they were both figuring it out, Ancelotti is going to bring that experience to a group of players that don't have uh, any, any previous success to their names. Understood. Now, sorry, they were waiting for his decision. Obviously, they didn't want to miss out. Um, now, where does that leave him? So now the, ne- the rumors right now are that, uh, well, he was offered a contract by Zenit St. Petersburg, which is a Russian team. I would uh, not go there. Well, uh, <laughs> I would just, <laughs> I, I, I mean... No offense to them, but I, I, I don't think that that seems that that's going to be that lucrative or rather maybe I shouldn't say lucrative. I don't think that would be the best job in the world. Yeah, well, you know, believe it or not, they for some reason they have like they have an affection for Italian coaches at that team. Uh, Roberto Mancini, who just took over Italy's national team, actually just co- he was just coaching there. And he left to to um, coach Italy. Uh, Inter's current coach Spalletti was at. Zenit, why would you? But what, so. why? I mean, I, call me naive, call me the idiot. But why would you even want it? Other than money, why would you want it? Yeah. Well, it? you just answered it. I mean, it has to be money. I mean, it's yeah. it's not like a terrible club. They 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 get into the Champions League and they don't ever compete to win it. But yeah, they, I mean, they if get a tree, there. If a tree falls in a forest and no one's around, does anyone hear it? Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> like. That's that's what I feel that must be like. He's like, oh, we won again. That's great. I have four fans. So, that's true. And um, the next, the next club that is uh, a little bit more appealing, who also loves uh, Italian coaches, is Chelsea in England. So now Antonio Conte is their current coach, um, and they are supposedly interested in Saudi. The latest reports are saying that. They're going to meet with his entourage tomorrow. Um, and also, again, call me naive, but that's another job I would run for the hills for if I was him. Because run away, you know, run away from the position only because if you saw any Chelsea games last year, which obviously, if you have NBC Sports, um, they actually had them on a good amount. Uh, I think more so than than other teams. Um, you saw Antonio Conte's uh, body language. He was miserable. He, he looked right. so devastated to be there. Um, is that more of a, his personal situation or is it just like a very stress-filled job? 
Yeah, it's, you said it. He's usually very upbeat on the sidelines, going crazy, yelling at his players, you know, very into the game. And this year he just didn't show that. And I think he got worn down a little bit by the board there. It's a very tough spot to play, like you said. They, they fire coaches very, very easily. Um, you know, if you don't have success for one season, they'll, they'll let you go. Uh, but here's what he has on his side. Apparently, he has a 20 million euro like buyout clause if they wanted to fire him. Ooh, which, all right, so I would so, push that one. So he's uh, maybe he's want maybe he's being that way because he wants to force himself out, but have them pay him to leave. You know, I, I don't know what the situation is. I mean, that's just speculation on my uh, on my part. But uh, that's a possible destination for Saudi to go, which is uh, Chelsea and. I don't know if that's really going to help because is that if that's a good fit because Chelsea under Conte has been a very defensive team and that's the total opposite of what Sadi did at Napoli and would want to do at Chelsea and in order to get there they're going to need uh, to purchase some players who could play that kind of style and it's not going to happen in a, in a year mm. so a team a club that has such a short leash you know how are they going to um, give this guy enough time to purchase players, play his style. If you're talking about a two or three year process here, it's not going to happen overnight. Big question: What are the uh, the indoor smoking rules in England? That's that's another thing. He doesn't, as far as I know, he doesn't speak English either. So <laughs> that's that's a tough. It's a tough thing to. How does, to I mean, I, I'm going to sound again naive and. And an idiot, but how does that usually work? Do you do usually the Italian coaches do they usually speak English? They try. Uh, like Conti learned English. Like you you always the Italian coaches usually start learning English um when they're like in the middle of their career in Italy and you know they're becoming bigger and like Ancelotti did it, Conti did it, Allegri at Juventus is doing it. Like what about the uh Leicester City coach? Yeah, he did it. He did it. Okay. So, you know, they kind of start learning English when I guess they realize that they might have an opportunity to coach in England at some point. Uh, but he had, I don't think he has, you know, I don't think that was ever like on his mind. Um, so I guess they do it through an interpreter, but you know, it's really how it's really hard to coach. If you I feel like you might lose some of the effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know if smoking, I don't think smoking is allowed on the training ground in England to begin with. And, on top I, of that, and I don't think, think he's taking that English. job then. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll know. We'll know in the next few days, I'm sure. All right. So we talked a lot about the, the, the people, coaches. the people that are pulling the strings and making the decisions. But uh, at the end of the day, if you don't have players, then you're not going to win. Um, what are you hearing in terms of player transfer news? Well, the big one right now is Buffon to PSG, which is crazy. Um, Buffon played his last game for Juventus on Saturday. He had a very press, emotional, very, yes, very emotional, story. crying the whole time. He had a press conference on Thursday in which he made it a point to not say I'm retiring. He just said, I'm leaving Juventus. So he left it open ended. And now apparently PSG has made him a crazy financial offer uh, to go there. And it's nuts. You know, Juventus, this is the second time now in, in, six years seven years where they left they let a legend leave and go play somewhere else the first one was uh alessandro del piero who was a huge juventus legend but he went to play in australia which is a little different this is you know what happens if buffon plays 
for PSG and making a drawn against Juventus in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. You know, now that isn't that a very awkward situation. So it's just crazy to me that this is this is even an option. And at this point, it looks 50-50 to happen. It could really I happen. mean, I look at it this way. If you if you remove the if Buffon is willing to play soccer outside of Italy, then this is a good landing spot for him. You know, that's a that's a, a competitive team. Um, they're going to be in the Champions League. They're willing to spend money. Um, why not uh, for him? If he's if he's obviously he could still perform. You know, that's the biggest thing. This is not a this is not a a uh, a player who who is going to make a fool of himself. He still is at the top of his game. At least that's what I could gather, you being the expert, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You're right that he's still at the top of his game. But at his age, you know, at any moment, you could really drop off, right? I mean, that's that's the one thing you'd have to worry about is, you know, when is it going to end? Because you, you, unfortunately, you can't play forever. Do you think he was good because of he himself? Obviously, he himself is good, but um, – was it because he had a great defense? In no, front of him? I mean you. You could tell with players, they, with goalies. You know, it's based off of his reactions. You know, and his reactions are still very good. I mean, are they are they what they were in two thousand six when Italy won the World Cup and he was amazing? No, I mean, but is he still, in my opinion, top five, top ten at least in the world? Absolutely. You know, he's not the best anymore, but he's up there, and um, you know, he knows his body better than anybody, so he. He feels like he could he can continue playing. Why not? I mean, Juventus. I think what happened was they hired his uh, his successor, uh, Chesney, and um, they probably told him, "Look, you're going to be behind Buffon for a year, and then he's going to retire, and it's yours." And now I think it got to the point where Buffon had second thoughts and maybe doesn't want to retire. But they already made a, a promise to this young goalie who, you know, um, is very, very good. And they probably feel like they have to move on from Buffon. But it's just, it's weird. You know, I, I, I know that technically PSG is in France and they won't necessarily play Juventus, but they could get drawn against Juventus in the Champions League. And it's like, here's Buffon who's wanted to win the Champions League his whole career. And here's Juventus, who has been dying to win the Champions League. And, you know, now you're, instead of trying together, now they're, they're playing against each other. It would just be an incredibly awkward situation. I well, you, you know what I, and obviously we do this a lot on the show, we compare it to American sports. Um, I feel as if the soccer world has a different understanding or it's just a different culturally it's it's different in the sense that in american sports there's always the talk of you want to go out on top you want to you don't want to play as a diminished version of yourself um it, it's there's always the conversation you know jordan the first time he went out and then he came back and everyone said he kind of diminished his legacy tarnished the legacy uh of, of the player is is that sentiment existent in Europe? Because I feel as if all these great soccer players end up coming to like the MLS or some, or another country and they, they play in the twilight of their career at a, a much less of a level than what they 
obviously are playing at at their peak. Yeah, I mean, you have you they have that opportunity to come here or go to Australia or China and make good money and still play and and not play at the top level. You know, in American sports, do they really have that opportunity? You know, what do you? I mean, I guess you look at a Stefan Marbury, right, when he went to China uh, and prolonged his career by a good amount of years. Um, and one over there, like, is now is an idol in China. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's, it's you know, look, there's not as much loyalty, I guess, in, in soccer. But there's really not in American sports either anymore. But in soccer particularly because everybody, the best players want to, uh, want to compete for the Champions League. So a lot of them are leaving and going to the Barcelonas, Real Madrids, the English teams. You know, they're going to teams that they know are in the Champions League every year and can compete year in and year out. Um, so, but there are cases like Totti last year for Roma, uh, you know, who, who stayed his whole career with Roma and it was such an emotional farewell for him. Um, you know, Maldini, who used to play for Milan, uh, he stayed there his whole career and he had an emotional goodbye. So there are cases of it, but it's very, very rare. You have to put money down on it. Is Buffon playing for PSG next year? Yeah, right now I would. I would put money on yes. I just think that um, the fact that he hasn't retired, didn't announce that he is absolutely retiring, um, leads me to believe that he still wants to play. And you know what? If he could play and he feels he could play at the top level still, why not take some more shots at the Champions League? You know, just... I think he's going to go. I really do. I, you know, the, the game on Saturday with Juventus, I kind of – on Friday, I thought he was going to go when, I, when the reports first came out. On Saturday, after seeing him so emotional, saying goodbye to the fans and everything, I thought maybe this is going to have an effect on him and he's going to rethink his decision and, and just retire. But since but then, he's, ne- he's never came out and said that he was going to retire, right? No, he this never isn't. This is not a Brett Favre situation where he says he's going to retire, comes back. He says he's going to retire, comes back. No, well, I mean, he said it um, early in the year. He actually did say, this will be my last year unless we win the Champions League because then I might want to stay on to um, – play in the in the FIFA Club World Cup, which happens in December, and the winner of the Champions League gets to go play in that competition. So he did say that, but then he backtracked a lot after that. And since then, he's never said, this is it, I'm retiring. So, And on Thursday, when he said he was, going, he was leaving Juventus, he didn't say, I'm retiring. He just said, I'm leaving Juventus. So I think he still wants to play. I think he'll be at PSG next year. Okay. Um... Before we before we move on from our, our transfer news, do you have anything sizzling on the uh, on the hot stove? Any, anything that you think is going to happen? No, those were the biggest ones that we reported today, um, or you know, in the past few days. That was Ancelotti to Napoli, uh, Sarri's meeting with Chelsea tomorrow, Buffon to PSG. There's some talk of uh, Alvaro Morata. Um, he plays for Chelsea now. Um, going back to Juventus or Milan was interested in him as well, but we'll get to Milan who have a bunch of financial headaches. So I don't think that'll happen, but he might return to Juventus, but Chelsea paid so much money for him last year. And I think I would think they would want to recoup a lot of that. And I don't know for Juventus. Well, you touched on it a little bit. Um, Your team's crying the financial blues. Um, Talk about a terrible, terrible week. 
to Milan. Are, are we in listen Are we in New York Mets territory with financial blues yet? No, listen, I, I mean, the reports that you read make it sound like it's way past New York Mets. But <laughs> they, this week, Inter qualified for the Champions League. Ancelotti, who is a Milan hero, played there. He won two Champions League titles. It was called the European Cup at the time. But he won two of them as a player for Milan won two more as a manager for Milan. So he's respond- he, he was in part of four of their seven. Um, he goes to Napoli. And now FIFA, uh, they, not FIFA, UEFA has the financial fair play that we've spoken about before. Uh, Milan apparently is in breach of that financial fair play, so they will be serving a penalty. And in June, UEFA is going to let them know what that penalty is. What did they do? Well, how, how are they in breach of it? They, they spent too much money? Is that what you're, you're well, trying to say? Well, pretty much. Number one, they apparently... They're the bizarre to, New York Mets then. You have to break even according to this financial fair play under a certain period of time. And they did not break even under that certain period of time. So that was like strike one. And then strike two is to purchase the team, the owner, Lee, the Chinese owner, took a loan out from Elliott which is a hedge fund here in New York. Um, it was like a 300 million euro loan and it's supposed to be paid back in October. And Milan, that's, a, that, that's not a 15 year loan. That's not a 30 year loan. No, that's a, that's a real quick turnaround. It's a very short loan. And apparently they, they're trying to refinance it, but they don't have a set term yet of who's going to refinance it and for how long. So you would have like, Difficulty finding a financial institution that's going to do that. That's why UEFA is worried about it. I guess they're worried that that this loan is not going to be repaid. And if that happens, Elliott, the hedge fund, gets to take the team over in October. So those. You know what? Let me tell you something. That's not the worst thing in the world. I agree. Here's the thing: the team was purchased for 850 million euros, okay, by this Chinese guy, and apparently people are saying that the real worth of the team, it should have been sold for around 500, 550 euros. So in my opinion, if Elliot were to take this over, they would just need to recoup the 300 million that they, that they loaned out. So they would be able to sell it for 500 or 550. And he would, and, they would make a 200 million right. euro profit. But the, the very serious people in the sports world, I guess, would feel more comfortable buying the team at 500, 550. So it would increase the value or the appeal of purchasing the team. So who knows what's going to happen? It's very, very bad times for me as a fan because last year in the summer, they went crazy and purchased a whole bunch of people. And then the season didn't turn out the way we thought it would. But the story was we built a base last year in the summer. Now this year, you know, we're going to add three or four big names or like experienced players to that young base that we created. And mm. now with these financial uncertainties, it's like, is that even going to happen? And where is it was last year, just a blip instead of like the first year or something great. And, and you know, there's going to be more trouble down the road. I, I don't know. It's just now, do you think you're heading for a fire sale? Do you think they're going to try to start dumping salary now? I hope not. I mean, that would be a disaster. I mean, then that 
It's terrible. Yeah, I can't have you, have you ever it. been in Syria? Syria they, they were. They were before I was born. And I hope well, that. they might be back. I hope not. I hope. <laughs> Actually, if you go bankrupt, you go all the way down. So you know. What I mean? Then it's, maybe you could purchase them. Give a give a big then. <laughs> not a bad idea. No, but look, in all in all Syria, I'm not worried about it because at the very the worst case scenario is Elliot taking the team over. And Elliot reports have said, they've said it, you know, in numerous reports themselves that they want to protect their investment. So Hmm. there's no way that this huge American hedge fund is going to just let the team, you know, die. So at the very least, they'll take the team over. They'll run it the right way. There was reports today. I don't know who reported it. I don't know what site it was, but I read it on like an aggregator um, that, Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins owner, is interested in buying the team from Elliott. So I'm sure one way or the other it'll get resolved, but it worries me for this, this is my, transfer, the but, transfer market. So, I mean, see, this is the stuff that fascinates me, and I, we don't have enough time to keep, keep going into it. But just one quick question on this. So the loan amount is, you're saying, around 300 million euros. Wouldn't it behoove Lee to just sell, pay off the debtor, and take the profit rather than Elliot taking the profit? Well, here's the problem, I think, is that Lee put $850 million into this deal, and 300 of it was from, from Elliot. So, and you're saying, there's no, you're saying there's no chance anyone else is going to pay 850 So for him, right, exactly. For him to make his money back, you know, I've read a couple of articles that have said the only reason why he, this guy bought it, because he's relatively unknown in China. No one really knows who he is. Um, and the only reason why this guy bought it was because nobody else is interested at that price point. So, and now everybody, the whole world knows what's going on because it's so public that who's going to come and be like, hey, you know, I'll give you $850 million for it to take it from you. Meanwhile, they know that in October, if this loan isn't paid back, they could go to Elliott and give five hundred and, and save themselves $350 million euros and, and take the team. So I, I just want you to know that if this happened to the New York Mets, they would burn the stadium down. Well, it kind of happened with the – the Madoff thing, you know, to some extent. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was as the team was, the figures were not as public and right. And uh, the team was never, it. there's a lot of uncertainty about Milan right now, you know, at least with the Mets and the Wilpons, you know who the Wilpons are. And they're never selling, they're never selling the team. They they have more than, they have more than enough money to to keep it afloat. They didn't ever, they didn't ever owe someone money to buy the team. That's the difference. No, they just lost money themselves. And they they couldn't spend money on players. Players, exactly. But it was never like the organization itself was in jeopardy of of failing, which could be the case in Milan. But like I said, with Elliot behind them, I I think that's a very far-fetched idea that the the organization will fail. Um, But for the summer, you know, when they're supposed to purchase three or four players – and be very competitive next year and try to make the Champions League, this financial fair play issue, at the very least, the financial fair play issue is going to cause them a lot of problems because some of the penalties could be a transfer ban, which means you can't, you can't purchase any new players. Potentially, they could be banned from playing in the Europa League, which is a, a huge revenue hit. 
So, yeah, but this is not fan. This is not fair to the fans at, at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> just be just because an owner doesn't, you know, handle their accounting correctly, um, the fans should not. You know, well, and they they made they released a statement themselves, Milan, and what they're saying is they're very upset by it because the break even portion of this is over a certain amount of years, and what they're saying is. We haven't even had a full year in charge of this team. So you're penalizing us over what the previous owner did. So, mm-hmm. but the major, but the, I think the combination of that plus the Elliott situation is what's making you for really, really nervous. See, now in American sports, usually the leagues, the other 29, 30 owners, um, they will take, take control of the team. They'll conduct a sale afterwards, but this is obviously a different situation. You don't see UEFA, uh, UEFA taking control of the team and selling it off themselves, right? No, that that wouldn't happen. Elliot would be the ones to do that, you know. Which would, like I said, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because Elliot is a well-known company. They'll find probably a wealthy American owner to purchase the team. Or and you know hopefully things will move in the right direction after that. It's AC Milan. I mean they're a huge team. They're one of the biggest brands in in the sport. So you know someone will step up and buy them. Just squad. Just I say, say it with me. Syria B. Yeah right. It, it, <laughs> it wouldn't. But we wouldn't go there. That's the problem. We would go all the way down. And have to come true. back up. It just happens to Parma. Parma was a great team in the night in the in the nineties. Um, they were very successful. Buffon started his career there. Your boy Conorado started his career there. They they had some great players in the 90s. And then they had financial issues through the 2000s. Three years ago, they went bankrupt, got sent all the way down to the, to the third uh, or the fourth division. And they actually have one promotion from then to, to the C, to the B, and now up to the A. So they'll be back in Serie A. Uh, next year, which is a great story for Parma, but unfortunately, it happens. It happened to Napoli uh, into the early two thousands. They went bankrupt and had to restart. It's like Monopoly. Yeah, if you go just, bankrupt, you're, you know, you're out of the game. But <laughs> well, look at Napoli. They went bankrupt, and now they're in a better situation than anybody. So maybe it's not bad to get a refresher and start over. You know, that's that's true. All right, so obviously. We're talking about – we talked about the Champions League spots. We talked about Juventus uh, winning Serie A's championship. Um, they all do this to play in the Champions League and to get to the final, and we're having that matchup coming up this weekend. Uh, Liverpool, won a team that not many people thought would be there, and Real Madrid, a team that many people – expected to return to the Champions League final. Uh, what, are we, what are we thinking about this matchup? It's going to be a great game. Uh, Liverpool is a tough opponent for Real Madrid because they could counterattack so fast with their front three of uh, Sané. Not Sané, sorry, Mane. Sané plays on uh, Manchester City. Uh, Firmino and my man Salah who, for the listeners, might not know this because they don't know what you look like, but <laughs> Joe actually kind of resembles Mo Salah. So I've been calling him Joe Salah for the past few days, and hopefully he's able to, to bring some glory to yeah. your, your face 
my wife, my wife was not totally offended by that comparison. So I guess that's a good thing, right? He's the Egyptian you. So, <laughs> but anyway, he's a great player. Like you said, Liverpool a year ago, no one probably thought they'd be in this situation, but they have played great in the Champions League. Um, and it's going to be a, a great entertaining game because both teams are so fast and both teams will go for goal and both teams will be able to counterattack. So I'm looking for a very, very entertaining back and forth game. And hopefully it's close. What's your prediction? I'm going to say Real Madrid's going to come out on top. I mean, they've been there before. Um, I think they're the most talented team. Uh, obviously, they, they've, won, they've won these games in regulation. They've won it in extra time. Um, they just know how to get it done. Um, and I just think, uh, Ronaldo will probably score a goal. He seems <laughs> to come on. He seems to come alive, uh, in the biggest of stages. Probably take uh, his shirt off. Probably take his shirt off. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I really, you know, I just think that Real Madrid is just too much of a juggernaut. Um, and I think the money's on them as well. So uh, I don't think I'm, you know, obviously I'm better. I'm taking the chalk here, but, um, I think they're going to come out and on top of you. I do. I think they're going to win in extra time. So I think really? it'll, I think it'll okay. go to extra time, but I think that their experience will help them. And three in a row, which this would be if they won, would be historic. I mean, there's very few teams. No one has ever done it in the Champions League era, and uh, very few teams have done it, period. So it's I mean, they're, they're the great soccer dynasty right now. They are. And here's the thing. Going back to the Buffon thing, I tweeted this when he first – you know, was thinking about continuing to play. If you're Buffon, why not call Real Madrid? It would be, it's, it's like all these vets that line up to play with LeBron or the Warriors because you know you're going to get a shot at the championship. So for me, if I'm Buffon, I'm not going to PSG who never even got past the quarterfinals before. I'm going to, I'm going to Real Madrid. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ride that train to the, to the championship. So I, now, do you think Buffon has enough pride to be a backup goalie? I don't think he would. I, I, think Buffon is better than Real Madrid's current goalie, Navis. I think he, you know, Navis is, he's good, but he makes mistakes. You know, he, he gave Juventus an opportunity to come back in that second game where he basically just dropped the ball and threw it right into the net for Juventus. So that's, uh, that's like day one stuff. Don't throw the ball into your own net. Yeah, well, he didn't literally do that, but it, <laughs> it was to that effect. So I think, uh, you know, I, I don't think, it would be a bad move for, for either side. So if it does ever happen and it comes about, you could, you know, credit me for it. But I just think that's, that, that would be that's, a smart move for him. You know, that's a, that's an him. early, an early, uh, not prediction, uh, a early hot stove report. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Buffon to Real Madrid must credit uh, Claudio <laughs> Perfetta. Um, now, uh, before we move on, I do want to get your opinion on this. If somehow Liverpool comes out on top, mm-hmm. Mo Salah, again, I know we've been talking. In, I think in the beginning of the year, we were saying, you know, he's a good player. Towards the middle of the year, we were saying he's good, but he's not on the level of Messi and Ronaldo. If they pull out a victory and he scores a goal or two, um, is he now firmly in the conversation? It's a, does the big two now turn into the big three? Um, he, currently, but you know, as far as 
putting him up there with them. He'd have to do it for a couple more seasons. What he could do is win the 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 Golden Ball, the Ballon d'Or that's out in uh, in December, which goes to the best player for the for the season. If he wins the the Champions League, I think at this time he'll be the front runner to win that. Now, it's and the, that's it's, been a trophy that's gone back and forth between Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah, the, the last year, sure. The last person other than the two of them to win it was my boy Kaká when AC Milan won the Champions League in 2007. Um, wow, all right. Since that's 11 two, years ago. <laughs> yeah, since, since 2007 has gone back and forth between the two of them. So I think that they want to give it to somebody else. But here's the thing. It's a World Cup year. So if someone has a great World Cup tournament and they win it, that always plays a huge part. So he might not win it for that reason. Like if, if Messi wins the World Cup with Argentina, guess what? He's winning it because he'll win the World Cup. So that's, that's kind of unfortunate. It just so happens that it falls on a year where the World Cup is taking place. If this happened last year, obviously, then, you know, the deciding factor is going to be the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. So it does – the World Cup does throw a wrinkle into it, and it gives um, – you know, if they were to win Liverpool, it would give Messi and Ronaldo a shot to win it still because – you know, they obviously play on better teams nationally than, than Salah does, so they have a better chance of going deep in the World Cup and tournament. And if, if Real Madrid wins and neither Portugal or Argentina go anywhere in the World Cup, then this is going to be Ronaldo's trophy again? Yep, I would say so. All right, interesting. Um, so that kind of wraps up our, our soccer talk. Um, let's head over to the, to the world of basketball, and as we speak – um, the Cavaliers and, and the Celtics are, are taking uh, doing battle in Game 5. Um, really interesting series. I know we were talking about it right before we came on. Um, the Cavaliers just are – I mean, I know I, I picked them to go to the finals, but they're just not that great of a team. And it's a true testament to how good um, LeBron James is. Um, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, unbelie- unbelievable. I mean, I think – People probably don't give uh, Kevin Love enough credit. Um, but besides Kevin Love, who really do they have? I don't think George Hill's tremendous. Um, no, I mean, you take him off the team. Take LeBron off the team. How many games does that team win? 20? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, with, with Love, 20-25, if you take Love off the team, I mean, you're looking at a – 10 to 13 win team, in my opinion. That, yeah, you know, the problem with them is that they they look – there are times that they look great, and it's because LeBron is doing everything, and he's driving to the basket, and he's getting everyone open shots. But when things start to go poorly, they go like the roof – the, the roof collapses. Everything is – everything goes wrong for them. Yeah, well, you could just see him personally. He – looks like he gets so frustrated, which you can't blame him, that, you know, no one's helping him. So, I mean, I just, cha- I just changed the channel to the game, and um, I think they're in the third quarter. They'll lose uh, them. Yeah, the, yeah, they're in the third quarter. The team has 32 points, and he has uh, 23 points. So they have 56 points total, you know. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Yeah, and how many assists does he have? Who I mean, knows? Yeah. Ev- everything goes through him on that team. And c- now the flip side of that is Boston, who is in the conference finals 
without their two best players. So now think about adding those two guys. Kyrie they're going to they're going to be very Aaron. good. They're going to be very good for a long, long time. Yeah. Because this Tatum kid is really, really good. Really, really good. Yeah. I don't know. For if you're the Seventy Sixers, think about this. You traded. You, you traded to get this, to get the first pick, right? Yep. You could have had Tatum. Yep. Markel Fultz. I was I was reading an article yesterday or the day before where the writer was urging for them to trade for Milwaukee's first round pick. You trade Markel Fultz from yeah. for Milwaukee's first round pick. Um, they didn't utilize him at all in the playoffs. I don't think he played. No, at all. he didn't play much. They totally, totally. A lot of teams did underrated um, Tatum. Tatum, and let me tell you this too: the Lakers, they made a terrible mistake too, passing on this kid. Um, Lonzo Ball's not as good as him. Um, Tatum's the real deal. He's going to be a star for for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean he's great come, coming out of Duke. You know they've had some really really good players lately. You know coming coming into the NBA and yeah. he's one of them. And look, he's leading this team. Um, and here's a here's a debate: Who is the rookie of the year? You know, in your opinion? Well, probably Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. Um, that's another team. But like, Ben Simmons lost- in the conversation. Is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, should no. he should he be in the conversation? Even though I know, you know what? Take the two teams. Joel Embiid's a he's a star. You know what I mean. Donovan Mitchell's playing with Joe Inglis and uh, what the heck's the guy's name? Uh, <laughs> he's playing with oh, with yeah. J- Joe Inglis and Derek Favors, yep. who couldn't stunk with the Nets. Um, he he willed that team. Not only to a four seed, they had no business being there. And then he wins a first round series against the Thunder. But I just mean in general, should a guy who is actually in his second year be considered for the rookie of the year um, trophy? You know, because obviously Ben Simmons sat out all of last year. Yeah, you know, I don't see a problem with it only because. I agree with you. If you look at any other sport, you know, other sports. Well, baseball is a certain amount of games you got to play, right? Yeah, and, so. and you know what? You could have someone like Ichiro won the rookie of the year his first year. I think he was like 30 years old. Um, yeah. it's, it's still, you know, their first year in the major leagues. Right. Um, but uh, I think definitely, you know, Donna, even even with that being said, Donovan Mitchell still had a better season than uh, than Ben Simmons. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you think we're we're heading towards uh, my prediction of uh, Cavaliers Warriors? I don't. I don't. Um, I think the Celtics are going to pull it out. I just they really. Well, I mean, look, they're on. The, I mean, I probably just jinx them. They're on their way right now, but you know, they'll probably lose this game in the next twenty minutes because of me. But the, the Cavaliers in the East are like uh, are like Juventus in Syria. Um, until I see them. Would, would it, to take a Highlander term until I see them without a head, um, they're not dead. Well, here's the thing: you're you're kind of right because if the Celtics win tonight, they're up three two. Next game is in Cleveland, which for some reason he's the they're, they'll win. win on the road. Cleveland will lives. win, and then you're gonna say, you're gonna play a game seven with LeBron. And you're gonna you're gonna pick against LeBron. Come right. on, exactly. you know. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I think you know. I think ultimately that they'll it'll end up being the same matchup. 
Um, and I think the Warriors win in five games. I think the the Warriors are six because it's suit two right now. No, I'm saying, I, I'm saying. Oh, in, I'm, the, in the finals. In the yeah. finals, I think when the when the Warriors dispatch yeah. of Houston, it's not if it's when. Um, even though Houston really played a great game last night, yeah, um, but they held to ninety-two points. That's actually insane. It's and that was points in the fourth quarter. That was the probably the best half you've ever seen James Harden play. Yeah. Um, and the the biggest moment of Chris Paul's career, that fourth quarter, he was tremendous. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. And you know, the thing about Chris Paul is that he makes it things difficult for Steph Curry. Uh, in the sense that he plays him very physically, very, very physical. Chris Paul's a great player. And that game, too, that Houston won by a lot. Yeah. I mean, did you watch that game? Houston in that I game won. was am- amazing. They were so entertaining how fast they were playing. And just Chris he, Paul looked Chris un- Paul does not get, get enough credit um, for how good of a player he is. Um, just think about the shots that he was hitting last night. Over, yeah. Kevin, over Kevin Durant, uh, you know, pretty much threes off of his back foot. Um, yeah. So, you know, he doesn't get enough credit. But the thing about the Warriors and why I've maintained that the Warriors are always going to end up winning these championships is that they come at you in waves. Um, if Durant doesn't get you, Curry's going to get you. If Curry doesn't get you. Yeah, like Thompson's gonna get you. No, it's just Thompson's gonna get you. Draymond Green's gonna get you. So, and they, the the way that they shoot the three is just it's a di- it's like they're playing a different game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And look, hot take maybe, but I think I don't think Boston would beat the Warriors in the finals. But I think they would be a better matchup for. The, I would be more. Warriors. I would, and this is nothing. You know, this is no disrespect to Ty Lue, but um, I would be very interested to see what Brad Stevens would draw up yeah. uh, against the Celtics. Because we've, we've seen Ty Lue coach against the Warriors. And <laughs> has there's, there's, you know, there's not much – they give up on defense, uh, the yeah. Cavaliers. Uh, the Celtics have a little bit more um, energy on the defensive end, and I would be interested to see um, what they would do. I, now, well, you know, if, matchup, but, m- matchup-wise, too, I mean, the Celtics with um, smart – Tatum, Brown, uh, Morris, they're just so much more athletic and better defenders. So they could very well switch on all the Warriors players and still, you know, kind of contest. That's them a good a point. Bit. Whereas and, you know, the Cavs wouldn't, you know, the Cavs, what are you going to do with Kyle Corver? Now, the problem is with the, with the, the Celtics is, you know, the, the Warriors are, are a very good defensive team, too. So they would have a much harder time scoring against the Warriors. But you know, I think defensively the Celtics would be a better matchup for uh, than than the Cavs would. Absolutely, and, and you, you know what too, um, people overlook this guy, and he's had a tremendous year, um, really tremendous career. Uh, Al Horford, um, he seems yeah. to, he seems to even be getting better, which yeah. is unbelievable. I saw him throw down a couple of dunks the other day, and I'm like, I didn't even know this guy could dunk. How about the, now? All of a sudden, he's like slamming on people. How about like two years ago, he started shooting three pointers. Yeah, and, just, I mean, terrible. It look, it looks so ugly, but it, it's not a bad shot. It does go in? It's it's unbelievable. I mean, he's that was a great signing, and I'm I'm more excited to see what this team does next year with Kyrie and and Hayward. Yeah, um, it's going to be scary. Yeah, because at full strength, 
they could they might be able to beat the Warriors. It'll be it'll be a, a better series full strength because Kyrie. We just mentioned all the defensive problems they could cause for the Warriors, and then if you add Kyrie and Hayward in the in the mix, those guys can well, score. Obviously, I'll, tell you, I'll so. tell you this. This is my opinion. I think we'll move on after this. Yep. If Boston wins this series against Cleveland, I think LeBron will try to sign with a different team with more talent, uh, Philadelphia or a or the Lakers or, or something like that, because I think he'll see the writing on the wall that I'm going to need more help to beat the Cel- to beat the Cavaliers to get out of my region, uh, to get out of the East. Um, yeah. If he if he finds a way to beat them, um, I think he'll end up staying in Cleveland. The Warriors, if he beats the Warriors, no, in the if finals. He, no, if he finds a way to beat um, the Celtics in this series, I I think the <laughs> it's it's almost like Juventus. I think the Warriors are are on they're ready to go on like a six year run. Um, I mean, they're already in the midst of it, um, yeah. but you know, they won seventy two, however many games, and then they added Kevin Durant. So no, I know, I know, but I don't know if Le- the problem with the for LeBron is where do you go because the East is only getting better, you know, when Boston's at full strength and Philadelphia is getting stronger, and then you have Giannis uh, on the box um, and. You know, there's gonna it's gonna be a lot harder to come out of the East, but then the West is obviously loaded. You know, you have the Warriors, you have the Rockets now, you have still have the maybe Spurs, Houston, you know, maybe Houston. Houston's yeah, not a bad yeah. not a bad option. But like him going to the Lakers, I mean, I'm sorry, that would be so dumb. I mean, it just you know then, and I know people are saying, oh well, Paul George might go too, but like you know the two of them together, I, I don't think LeBron really meshes well with the poor Paul George. I think he needs more. You know, like a, a Kyrie or someone who could shoot some outside shots and create also themselves. You know, I don't, I don't know if uh, you know him and Paul George with Lonzo Ball would really strike fear into the you, rest. You know of what? The, you know what? And um, it's kind of it's a testament to his career. I I've always said for however long, if you have LeBron James on your team, you pretty much you're signing your papers to uh, to at least win your conference finals. Yeah. Um, it's now gotten to the point where that's not going to be the case. Um, these teams are, are getting better, um, and um, they just have so much more depth. He, he just can't do it by himself anymore, and that's no, no indictment on him, but you know he's only one person. <laughs> yeah, well, this season is, a, is proof of it. I mean, he, it took seven games for him to beat Indiana. Then he got you know, a favorable matchup against the Raptors because they just like – run away from him for some reason that that's just terrified of him. So that was easy. But now, you know, you're looking at a Boston team without their two best stars, you know, that could take him to seven games, maybe even beat him. And you have an Indiana team that has no major star. I mean, Oladipo, but he's not a top five player in the NBA that almost, almost beat them. So it's going to be interesting to see, but you know, one thing um, I will say is, your boy and my boy, Mike Francesa, <laughs> has repeatedly said that he does not want LeBron to beat the the Celtics because yeah, and you he, know what he could say it just once. I mean, I've heard it every day for yeah. like the past. He doesn't want to get embarrassed by the Warriors again. So he well, he he's right really about be he's embarrassed. right about that because the team is a hundred percent going to be embarrassed. They're going to yeah. lose. They'll lose two games by at least twenty to thirty points at yeah. least. At least. Um, before, we, before we get too far into Mike, I just 
I just want to tell you, um, I don't know if you've been looking at your, uh, your baseball standings recently, but, uh, but the Phillies for our over under really, really doing well, really, really yeah. doing well. And I know you wanted to, uh, to jump up and down about your Mets. Um, Mets. they, they kind of came back to earth a little bit. They did come back to earth, but they're still, a, they're still ahead of the over under number that they need to be at. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried yet if they trade, you know, Degrom or Syndergaard, then it's going to be a different story. But I didn't know that at the beginning of the year. So you know, how, how am I supposed to? Take and those things to and I, I took the Royals and the under, and they stink. So yeah, I took the Padres and the and under. they, they all they equally s- stink as well. Yeah, I don't know if they're like as as bad as the under is though. They're not. I think they're like ten games under five hundred. The Padres are not. uh, They're not as bad as you would like them to be right now. Right now, no. Well, you know what happened. Why did I choose them to to chase Headley and chase Headley? (laughs) DF gone, gone. So another thing. How am I supposed to know? I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Well, you mentioned Mike Francesa joining Twitter. Um, What were your thoughts on his first tweet? Oh my god, hilarious! The the fact can we just talk about the fact that he doesn't follow anybody? I, mean, I think it's great. Is that I, absurd? I, I I really hope he never follows anyone. Um, and Except I hope for us that would be nice. That would yeah, that would be unbelievable. But I I doubt that. Um, I and gonna happen. I never want him to reply to anyone's comment ever. <laughs> no, ever. Well, here's here's a shock. Okay, now you know that obviously I'm very into. Uh, "Quote unquote soccer or football Twitter." So I, you know, I speak to people from all over the world—Sweden, England, you know, wherever. They know who who he is. I mean, isn't that that's like amazing? It makes that, that makes no sense to me. There's people in the rest of this country that don't know who he is. Meanwhile, you know, I've gotten texts from people in England that are like, "Oh my God, this Mike Francesa guy is awesome." So but that, but what they talk about, I will say. Forty percent Yankees Mets, fifty percent the NFL, ten percent NBA, NHL, other sports. And it's but it's what all could, New York. What yeah, what could he possibly be talking about of interest to someone in England? Did they really know about uh Neil Walker and how people want to want to get rid of them because they got Craig Bird and Clint Frazier coming up from the minor leagues. I, I can't believe people from your, from England and Europe from, I think, the, I just think people love the fact that he abuses callers and it's like, just, I have a hidden confession. I will, tell you, I will tell you this. There are some times when I'm listening, when he'll take a call and it's so cringeworthy that I have to turn the radio off. Um, I, I'm not, as soon as the person starts speaking, I ha- I can't handle just the oncoming interaction and it ends up being like, that'll probably be like the clip that's on Twitter for like Mike kills this caller or, or does something like that. But it's live. It's so, so cringeworthy because I want to be like, why are you calling? You know, he's going to abuse you. That yeah. That's the worst. The, or the people who, who call and they try to, like, prank him, it's just terrible. <laughs> well, I need, I need somebody to call him and ask him a soccer question. Like, I need him to get involved in soccer. I mean, there's all these people on Twitter that follow soccer that love him. I think now. there's a 0% chance they get I through. need someone to call and ask him, hey, Mike, 
Um, what do you think about UEFA coming down on AC Milan for the financial fair play? You know, I'll shut up and listen. I'll hang up. And <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. Well, I highly doubt. One, he probably will take it as like a prank. They'll probably dump it and it'll be like, <laughs> he'll think that they like tried to curse or something like that. Do you think he even knows what the Champions League is? Honestly, I don't think he even knows what the Champions he, League I'm is. Gonna, I'm going to say that he could care less than 1% about soccer. I don't think he – I think the last time I heard him – actually, I heard Mad Dog talk soccer was the women's – the first time the women played Japan. Okay. I, that was the only time I think I've ever heard them talk soccer. Yeah, it's and, probably not. It's probably hilarious, honestly. I, I was reading – I don't know if it was true or not, but I was reading on Twitter the other day. Um, apparently, someone called him – when the USA was in the World Cup, was it four years ago? And they're like, <laughs> so apparently Mike was like, who are they playing, Belgium? Belgium's, yeah. Belgium's not good, right? And then, like, apparently someone told him in his ear, like, Belgium's actually really good. He's like, Belgium's good, <laughs> really? Belgium's good, all right. They're telling me Belgium's good. Belgium's good. Well, I think his producer, uh, Brian Monzo, I think he's actually a soccer fan. So he uh, probably can educate him on it. So um, he probably knows. But I need, I need somebody to call. I need Monzo to let it go, and we, we need to hear a, a soccer question. Maybe someone in the next couple of days will call and ask about the, the Champions League final. You know, what do you think about Liverpool versus Real Madrid? I wonder if he even knows who Cristiano Ronaldo is. I mean, I, I, I think so. he I think he, he would because he's well-versed on so many topics, and Ronaldo is like a, a household name, but um, Mo Salah, I doubt. I'd, I'd, yeah, that's what we need be, someone to ask about. It'd be like uh, you know that kid from Egypt. The the kid from Egypt, uh, he's he's killing it. He's scoring three goals a game. Unbelievable! What what a prospect! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, and Mike, it, do you think do you think Mo Salah could win the Ballon d'Or this year? I need that. You know, I'll hang up and listen. You know what my favorite? Uh, obviously, I think we're probably down to zero listeners at this point. Yeah. But my favorite, uh, my favorite Mike thing is when he <laughs> tells he he tells the producer, uh, "Get me the book on." Like, yeah. Like like everyone like there's a book of of everything you would need to know about this person. Just go on your computer and type in it. But I would love to hear him. So give me, uh, give me the book on uh, the, Egyptian, the, the Egyptian kid. Uh, Ooh, who's that? Place for guy? Liverpool. The fro, the curly hair. You know, <laughs> that guy's got the curly hair. <laughs> oh, oh my god! And, and you know what? He would definitely have a source. But like the people I talked to said, this kid, Cam, this prospect, is gonna light the world on fire. Yeah. Um, exactly. Oh, I knew it. He'd be like, I knew it. I knew it back when he was at Fiorentina. I knew it. <laughs> he was gonna be a stud. I knew it. All right. Well, I think we, we've bored people enough with our Mike Francis <laughs> talk. Um, that was episode 10 of an idiot and expert podcast. Um, you can find us at C Perfetto 11. That's my co-host Claudio Perfetto. You can find me uh, at Calcio Joe five. Um, and most importantly, you can find our podcast at idiot expert pod. We promise you, I mean, this is a legitimate promise. We're going to get more active. Um, on the at idiot expert pod uh, Twitter handle, uh, we'll, we have some we have some some coals in the fire. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna get a little bit more interesting as we progress. Um, we plan on doing a few more interviews and talking to some really really interesting people. Um, that's why we've taken a little bit of time off. So we're gonna get that going next week, hopefully. 
Um, yep. But again, you know, this was uh, this was episode ten. You could find us on uh, on iTunes, on Anchor, and on CloudSports.tk. Uh, until next time, guys. Have a good one. Thank you.